welcome to the Dietitian Dad Podcast. I am Michael Murphy, father of three, registered dietitian, and your dad when it comes to weight loss, nutrition, and health. No quick fixes or easy answers here, just evidence-based advice to help you permanently change your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 62 of the Dietitian Dad Podcast. Glad to have you with me. So, um, this is going to be an interesting one. What I'm going to do with this podcast episode in a minute is I'm going to look through some of my um, videos that are mostly on TikTok, I would say. I'm going to play a few snippets, and then what I want to do is I want to comment a little bit further on some of the um, nutritional information or some of the facts that I state in the video. Because when I make a video for social media, they're pretty fast. They have to get straight to the point, and I don't always get all the information I want out of it. So I think it'll be kind of fun to play a few snippets and then comment a little bit more about the idea that I'm presenting in those videos. So stay tuned for that. I do want to get to my smaller point with this podcast as I do with every episode. And if you're a loyal listener, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, please go back and check some old ones out. And I want to talk about a concept that I have never talked about in 61 previous episodes of this podcast. And and because most of what I talk about um, is to help people lose weight, get healthier, you know, nutrition. And I happened to stumble upon a coworker who joined the company I work for about a year ago. And he's a younger guy in his 20s. And a couple of things I want to talk about with, it, with this, my experience with him. Um, first thing I want to say is a great young man, a hardworking guy, really an asset to the company. But he just happens to be very thin, skinny, whatever word you want to, to describe somebody with a BMI that would probably be 18. If you know BMI, you know that's pretty thin. And, you know, he's in his early 20s. And as we all know, when we're younger, well, not all of us, but more than more often than not, you tend to gain weight as you get older. And even though somebody is a smaller size in their teens or 20s, doesn't guarantee they'll be that for life. Um, but what his issue is, if he has one, is, is the simple concept of he gets shamed a lot for being skinny. He gets um, a lot of interesting comments about his body, about how he looks from all sorts of different people in his life. So I went on Google and I looked up fat shaming versus skinny shaming. And I got a lot of interesting articles that I read through to kind of to get more information about these concepts and how people who were once skinny or once overweight kind of felt both sides of it. And the general consensus was that somebody who is heavier definitely feels a lot more um, shame from others than somebody who is underweight. I think most people would probably agree with that. Not to discount somebody's feelings, not to discount somebody's own um, experience with their lives and how people comment on their bodies, because it doesn't matter what you weigh, somebody always is going to comment on your appearance. I mean, it comes back to the simple thing concept of we need to stop commenting on people's appearance for the most part. There are exceptions, but but even somebody who has a lower BMI, and by the way, I looked it up, and, and it's only about 3 to 5% of the total American population have a BMI under 20. So it's not there's not a lot of people out there who appear to be smaller, skinnier, whatever word you want to use. And of course, this coworker of mine is that. And I witnessed how he is treated when I'm with him. Um, his buddies constantly comment on his skinniness. 
um, in, in his age range, it's more about being weaker and not having a lot of muscle. Um, he, uh, coworkers who work in the same building as me, sometimes I see them interact with him, especially females. Females will kind of make comments about how they could beat him up or push him over easily or they're not intimidated by him. It's really interesting to see how people treat him for being, um, you know, obviously a little bit underweight. I kind of, it reminds me a little bit of myself when I was hit around his age. I was, um, I don't think I was as thin, but I was about, I'm about six foot three and I weighed about 160 to 165 um, in my early 20s. And um, I don't recall getting quote unquote skinny shame much. Maybe I did, but it's been a while. So, but I, I do um, see a lot of myself in him, which, which, you know, I'm not going to make the whole episode about skinny shaming. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I just thought it would be interesting to point it out. Um, if you know anybody like that, you know, you'll, you probably notice that they may get more comments than you realize about their, their body type. But what's more important that I want to point out is I've been a dietitian. I've worked out. I'm, I've tried to live a healthy life for probably almost 20 years now. I'm, I really started getting into it in my late 20s. And in that time period, most of what I do is private. Most of what I do in terms of my eating habits, I don't flaunt, I don't flaunt it. I don't, I don't preach it too much, you know, only in, in my dietitian work. I go to the gym every day. I don't brag about it. I don't typically post much about it either. Um, it's just my lifestyle, and it's, it's just the way I live it. Once in a while, somebody will ask to work out with me, or somebody, or even, I, I've worked out with my patients. Like, they'll, they'll, I'll invite them to come to, a, to the gym with me and work out for a session. Um, I've only worked out with patients one time. We've never done it more than once. Anyways, what my point is, is that this young man, who I just referred to as with the BMI of 18, um, his goal is to build some muscle and, and, and get a little bit stronger. And he basically just kind of inserted himself and made it up, took it upon himself to join the gym that I work out at, which is a really large gym. It's called Lifetime Fitness. And it's not cheap either. I mean, it's not overly expensive, but it's not something you would just join like a Planet Fitness for 20 bucks a month. You really have to be dedicating yourself if you're going to pay what amounts to 100 or a little bit over a month. But he did, the, he did it anyway, and he joined the gym, and he said, hey, Mike, do you mind if I work out with you? So I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I work out alone, but if somebody is going to take the initiative to, to want to work out and learn, I'm happy to help. So... I, were, I said, sure, why not? So he, he met me. He made sure he was on time. We, we, he, he basically went with my schedule and not his. Um, anyways, long story short, 30 days later, we were, we've worked out every single day for 30 days together. He's gone from 147 pounds to I believe he's now about 157, 56 pounds, gaining about 10 pounds. I'm not going to say they're all muscle, but he's gained some weight. And that was his goal, his goal. And and all I'm saying is that, like, I'm happy to help him. I'm happy to work out alone. But you, if you are somebody that feels a little bit lost, you know, you may not have a, a guy like me to, go, to insert yourself and do that. But you might have a friend. You might have somebody you know a little bit. That would be a little bit awkward. And it's definitely a step outside your comfort zone um, to do this. But... 
don't be afraid to ask somebody, especially in the exercise world, hey, you know what? You mind if we work out together? Maybe I'll join your gym. You know, why don't we make it a goal to work out? Why don't we make it a goal to do this together? Um, be bold enough to do that because when you do, you might, like this gentleman who works out with me, um, you might find it pays off well. And of course, we're having a great time now and we're, we, we get along and to the point where we now can wear our own headphones and don't have to talk, to talk too much, especially if you want to get in your zone. And by the way, he's helped me too. I mean, he helps spot me. He helps me lift heavier, you know, those types of things. So I really want to encourage you to, to maybe try something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone. Okay, let's move on to the main topic of the podcast. Um, and that would be me reviewing myself. A lot of me on this one isn't there. Um, me, me listening to me and commenting on what I said. Um, hopefully this goes well. I didn't practice this, so I'm, I'm hoping that it'll provide some value for you. Um, I'm going to play some snippets of various of various um, videos I made. There will be some, in fact, most of them will probably be weight loss surgery related, but I'll try to mix it up a little bit. I'll tell you when I'm playing it so you know it's not me talking. And uh, let's get started. Here is the first clip. You do not have to count calories to lose weight if it's not for you. But have you ever thought about how many calories you eat in a year? Let's say you eat 2,000 calories a day. How many calories is that? Okay, I'll just tell you. It's 730,000 calories in one year. So if you go down to 1,600 calories a day, you're going to save 136,000 calories in one year, which is about 40 pounds lost. Okay, so listening to that, it might be a little confusing to hear all those numbers, but what my point of this was was to show the, the macro, the, the bigger picture when you are saving calories by eating less each day. And my example was going down to just 1,600 calories. There are people that have weight loss surgery that go much, much lower. However, if somebody does average over 2,000, just by cutting that back to 1,600 is a, is a huge savings in the hundreds of thousands of calories eaten less per year. And my example was talking about how you can technically lose 40 pounds in one year by doing that, by making maybe a cut of 500 calories a day. But here's where I would want to expand on that concept and make sure you understand this because it sounds so simple. Just eat a couple hundred calories less per day and a year later you're down a good amount of weight. But the thing is with those calories, what most people do is they cut back on portions and they focus on eating less food, but it doesn't always mean they're eating less calories. And that's the key. So not only that, but they might be eating a lot less portions, leading them to having increased hunger and increased cravings to help satisfy that hunger. So they technically don't do it the right way. So when I say this, you know, save a few hundred calories a day to get in the hundreds of thousands a year, it's extremely important that you are aware of the calorie savings and making sure that you're not focusing on portions, but you're focusing on those calories. Okay, here comes the next clip. 60 to 80 grams of protein a day. That's what everybody is told. If you're a 5 foot, 200 pound female, 60 to 80 grams. If you're a 6 foot, 3, 385 pound male, 60 to 80 grams. Protein requirements are different for all of us. And they even change as you lose weight. So work with your dietitian to figure out what you need. No cookie cutter numbers for you. Okay, well I guess I'm that dietitian that that dietitian is telling you to work with. But um, 
just expound, expanding on that concept of 60, 80 grams. That's probably what you've heard many, many times. And in previous episodes of this podcast, I've gone a little bit more detail about how to determine your protein needs. But here I am reminding you again that that simple number just doesn't apply. And usually most of us need more than 80 grams of protein per day, especially if we are trying to curb hunger, help with our cravings, and drop weight. So make sure you know approximately how much protein you should be getting per day. Feel free to reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram. Reach out to me anywhere on social media you want, and I will happily tell you. Okay, let's go to clip number three. See this behind me? Body mass index chart. And for a weight loss dietitian like myself, I have seen way too many people have sleepless nights because their BMI is classifying them in a certain category. Obese, morbidly obese, overweight, normal. I know there are people that like it. I know it has some good uses. The good do not outweigh the bad. Insurance companies use it all. Okay, I cut myself off there, but I was just going into the fact that insurance companies use BMI to classify you and either give you, make you, you know, make you pay more for your life insurance, in addition to many other reasons why BMI is um, not used correctly. So my point there is that we overvalue the BMI, the body mass index. We still use it too much, and I still see patients to this day coming in, and when we talk about what goal they want to get down to, they will simply say, I want my weight to be considered normal, which is always interesting to me. I want, I want to be considered a normal weight, meaning my BMI is 25 or lower, and they, they, they just so want that, and they feel like they'll be complete if they can go see a doctor and the doctor says, oh, you're not overweight anymore. Your BMI is 25. Well, unfortunately, most people who have weight loss surgery or attempt to lose weight rarely get their BMI under 25 in the first place. And I would argue they don't even need to. So don't let that BMI rule, rule your life. Don't let it value you or devalue you. It has nothing to do with any of that. Okay, let's go to clip number four, which is kind of interesting. I have lots of rules when it comes to helping my clients lose weight, but here are three that I think you should always start with. Number one, don't ever sacrifice quality time with your kids or your family for your weight loss efforts. Do it on your own time. Number two is your job. I know it's important, but you have to find a way to be able to lose the weight without that job getting in the way. Stop giving your employer all of your time at the expense of your health. And number three is positive self-talk, believing in yourself, understanding that perfection is a mirage. Stop saying, I can't, turn it into, I can, I might, to, I will. And the more you do that, the more changes you're going to see automatically. Okay, interesting. So when I said that, obviously, I still believe all that I just said. Um, listening to it again after about a year, the family time thing, completely still agree. I mean, you should, you'll, you'll regret, you know, going to the gym at prime family time, right? If, you know, let's say everybody's home between six and eight and you're off at a gym, that would be pretty regretful if your kids are young. When you get older, you'd be like, well, gosh, where was that, you know, what was I doing? Um, so you incorporate family into exercise when the kids are younger. You know, once the kids are out of the house, and, you know, obviously it's just maybe you and a partner, you can probably sacrifice some, some family time. But, you know, of course, take that with a grain of salt. But you have to move around the family time and make sure you, you get what you need to do for yourself when everybody's pretty much asleep, right? Early morning, later at night, that's typically what I find, especially with kids. The job thing, 
Obviously, it's silly for me to think somebody will quit a job. That's rarely going to happen, although I have seen some of my patients do it. They've quit a job because that job was literally making them unhealthy because the hours were long or the type of work that they did, and they were bold enough to move on. Of course, you have to make money, and it's not so simple. You don't need, you know, you don't need to tell me that. But if you can find that opportunity to have a job that leads to better health, you should definitely always do that. And the third one, the positive self-talk. It's, so, it's such an underused skill that humans don't like to do. They like to complain. They like to beat themselves up. Um, they like to just make sure that they don't get too big for their britches and even in their own mind because they don't want to prop themselves up too much. There's exceptions, and I'm hoping some of you listening are those exceptions. However, positivity in your brain will change your life. It'll change your perception of life. It is such an underutilized tool. I highly recommend you seek out help to find out better ways to use it or at least just start the easy way and just be more positive in your head. Okay, clip number five. We're getting a little bit low on time, so this might be the last one. We'll see how long I I talk about it after you listen. This one's a weight loss surgery clip. This is one of the most important concepts that you must understand if you had weight loss surgery. Remember, just because you can eat more food does not mean that you should. Don't wait for your new stomach to tell you when to stop because you feel overly full. Instead, decide on a pre-portion that you think is good for you and simply eat that and push the rest of the food away. Okay, even though I was referring to somebody who has weight loss surgery, this actually applies to all of us because waiting for the feeling of fullness is a exercise in futility. It will always backfire on us. So we have to understand the penultimate bite, meaning the bite before the last bite, or even a few bites earlier, to be able to push food away, to be conscious and aware of that, not having to clean the plate. How many times have you just cleaned your plate just because the food was put in front of you? How many times have you seen somebody clean their plate while they're talking to you without even batting an eye? It's happened, it happens all the time when, I, when I'm with people eating. And, and it's okay to say, you know what, let me take a break, let me eat slower, let me make sure I'm not completely full, even though I know I can fit a few more bites down there. Now, if you have a smaller stomach after weight loss surgery, it's a little bit more important concept, not because I think you can stretch your stomach, but, I, but it's because you will become accustomed to the larger portions over the years, and you will then have your, your threshold um, or your, your bare minimum would be a cup of food instead of one half cup of food over time, and that would only go up from there. Okay, I lied. I got one more. I got time for one more clip. Every diet is a scam. Do you know why? I just saw another nutrition expert come out with a cookbook talking about how eating more fruits and vegetables and lean proteins is great for weight loss and follow their diet plan. I think by now we all know to brush our teeth, floss, wash our bodies, and eat fruits and vegetables and lean proteins. This doesn't require books, and it doesn't require you to give them any of your money to be told this. Okay, some of you may not have known that. I get that. Most of us do, and I'm a dietitian. I make a living by helping people lose weight. But what I don't need to tell anybody anymore are those simple facts. The more okay, I think I made this video when I was frustrated with maybe something, I a new diet that came out, and I just wanted to get that point across that diets are scams, right? They're just way another angle to get you to spend money. Nothing wrong with that. Of course, people, it's, not, it's fine to write a book and have people buy your book. Um, 
but unfortunately, there are, there are people spending thousands of dollars, which is ridiculous, um, and with no results. And at the end of the day, every every single diet is just another way of getting you to eat less calories. It's just another angle, and I didn't really put that across in the video, but that is huge in my eyes on why I rail against these types of um, crazy diets, even things that are mainstream, like paleo or Atkins or any of those. Um, they're all just an intermittent fasting they're all just another way to get you to eat less calories and, of course, get you to buy their product or sell you something. So be careful. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, there's ways to do it. There's ways to do it for free. And, um, you know, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. Okay, great. So that, that was kind of fun. It's kind of fun reacting to my own videos. Maybe I'll do that, do another um, episode on this again. Give me some feedback. It's very tough for me because of the you know, where this airs on Spotify and, and Apple, it's not, there's not a lot of places for you to kind of comment on my podcast. So it's hard to get too much feedback, you know, what you like, what you don't like. So reach out to me through the various platforms, dietitian underscore dad. It's, you know, on TikTok and Instagram and all those, all those places. And let me know what you think. I'll see you next time. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at dietitian underscore dad while you wait for the next episode to drop. And remember, permanent changes lead permanent results.